Come on, let's, let's go ahead and continue to love our Plant City and South Shore campus. Make some noise. Is my mic on? Is my mic? Can we, amen. Can we love our South Shore and Plant City campus? Amen. Okay. Amen. Family. Can we, can we do that again, but like 10 decibels higher for our lead pastors, Pastor Greg and Pastor Tamara? We love you, Pastor. Praying for you, for the both of you. Listen, I, we have such an amazing team. Didn't Pastor Richard, Pastor Stephen, Pastor Michael, didn't they do a great job carrying the series? Come on. We have such a great teaching team in the house. It's a blessing to be a part of it. Now, I'm, I, can, I, can I just pray? Because I'm ready to hear what God wants to say, man. I want to be wild too. Is that okay? Okay, let me pray and get out the way. Let's pray. Father, Lord, as always, there's a message right here, Father God. I've prayed. I've fasted, Father God. I've sought counsel. Lord, I ask you. Father God, to use as much, as little. Father God, don't use it. Whatever you want to do. Father God, all I ask is that I may move out of the way so that you can speak to your people, and that includes me. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. 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 I am glad to be in the house of God today. We're starting a new series, and I get to kick it off. It is called Larger Than Likes. Those likes. Those likes. Now, listen, I, I have, you see, there's somebody right now getting an alarm. It's likes. <laughs> Trying to get those likes. Amen. L listen, I, I, I did. I started playing with social media a little bit. About two or three years ago, I started, man, I'm a beast. Boy, I get on there. Not really. I'm not that good at it. I'm, I'm just messing with you. I promise. I, I'm not that good. But a lot of people are telling me I'm actually really good, and they're lying to my face. <laughs> You know, I try to do the little boomerang thing. They're like, yeah, that's cute, you know. My kids do that, you know. Like, it's not that, that good. But I tell you what, every time I post something, I go back and I look to see how many hearts I get, though. I, the other day I broke 100. I, why are you laughing that hard? I, you get more than 100 likes? That's wrong. That's wrong. I, listen, I broke 100. I, listen, it did so well, I thought I was going to repost it to see if I got another 100. Put it on my story and Instagram story, see if it worked. You know, it's, it's, it's likes. You want to be, be liked, right? I mean, I, I mean, but if the whole purpose is just for you to get likes, then relationships in your life are going to be a mile wide, but only an inch deep. You see, you'll have hundreds of acquaintances, and there'll be a ton of people following you, but very few real-life, soul-shaping relationships. Now, conflict, now that's also a part of all authentic relationships. And often the depth of our relationships will only go to the depth of conflict that we are willing and able to work through. Do you know that authentic relationships with Christ can grow deeper in the midst of conflict? It's my personal opinion that most Christians are under-equipped to know how to handle conflict. So when conflict comes... We run. But is conflict a bad thing? Well, you know, the Bible tells us that disagreements do happen and they're a result of sinful attitudes and sinful desires. But conflict is not always bad. What's important is how we respond to conflict. We have to respond to conflict, not react. You see, conflict sometimes is an opportunity for us to bring about peace. But we focus on avoiding rather than resolving. You know, sometimes we just want to stay a peacekeeper instead of being a peacemaker. See, a lot of Christians think that all conflict is dangerous, is bad, don't do it. So we either run from it and pretend it doesn't exist, or we simply refuse to do what should be done to resolve conflict. You see, at all root of any conflict avoidance, it is our unwillingness to feel pain. We don't want to feel pain. We don't want to go through nothing. I don't want to go through nothing. You see, what happens is, is that our intent, we stay focused on being peace-faking rather than peacemaking. I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to keep it simple. We want those likes. Give me those hearts. 
we're more concerned with the appearance of peace rather than the reality of peace. Faking that thing, looking good on social media, going through hell, trying to get that angle. What's that angle? Be yourself. My God, everybody in the house is laughing. South Shore Plant City, y'all laughing at? Everybody taking that, that tall selfie. Your arm ain't that long, sweetie. My Lord. Looking for those likes. You know, there's a story in the Bible that reminds me of this king by the name of Saul. He was after those likes. If you're reading 1 Samuel, the 13th and the 15th chapter, you can read it all. I'd encourage you to go back to chapter 8 and read it all the way through 17. Listen, he was after those likes. So one day in chapter 13, Samuel, the prophet, is supposed to do a sacrifice before they actually engage in battle. Listen, church, we have to start getting ready for battle, okay? We have to start preparing to go through some conflict and pain. But we have to honor God, amen, and start trying to get God instead of trying to get likes. Okay, listen, he, he, he goes on and he says, you know what, Samuel, I appreciate you. You're running behind. I'm going to help you out, amen. I'm going to go ahead and make the sacrifice for you. So he makes the sacrifice. Let me tell you, God's delay is his perfect timing. I love when God messes things up so that he can align it to perfection. God does not need your help. But Saul said, no, 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 he does. So he does. He sacrifices. Why? Because he wanted to hear the people, and he was swayed by the people. He wanted those likes. So Samuel shows up. He said, what have you done? He said, today the Lord says, he will raise up someone else to take your place and be a man after God's own heart. Then you'd have thought he would have learned, but then in chapter 15, Saul, Samuel says, listen, you're about to go to battle. I'm going to anoint you king. What God said to do was kill everything in the battle of the Amalekites. And and Saul says, okay, I'll do it. Samuel shows up, and Saul just goes running. He said, man of God, prophet, I did everything you asked. And he said, why do I hear the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of of the oxen? Why do I hear all these animals in the background when I told you to do and you didn't do it. What I told you to do, and you didn't do it. And he said, oh, because the people, they kept the, the good animals for themselves. But we killed all the bad ones. And here's what Saul said. Here's what Samuel said to Saul. Verse 23 in chapter 15. He says, for rebellion is as the sin of divination. Witchcraft. I didn't write it, amen. Don't send me an email. It's in the word. Okay? For rebellion is as the sin of divination, witchcraft, and the insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Going after those likes will get you in trouble sometimes. Instead of going and getting some God. Listen, when I think about conflict, I think about another, another guy. David. Now, David went up against a lot of wars, but there's one in specific that kind of catapulted him when he fought this big, tall guy, this big guy, a giant from Goth named Goliath. Now, listen, I I know you probably heard about 62 different sermons from David and Goliath, amen? Because I told God the same thing, too. I complain to God, amen? I'm good at complaining. And I said, God, another another David and Goliath story? He said, no, I'm not going to talk to you about David and Goliath, but I'm going to talk to you about your giants. I'm going to talk to you about the giants in your life. I'll read to you in 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, starting in the 34th verse. I'm going to read to you this body of Scripture, and then we're going to do a little background. Verse 34, this is what David says to Saul. Your servant was tending to his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took the lamb of the flock. And I went out after him, and I attacked him, and I rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by the beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like the one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living, not dead. God, Listen, we, live, we serve a living God, not a dead God. And he says, and David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Listen to me, church. 
we often talk about David killing a lion, a bear, and then a giant. But David was a demon slayer before he was a giant slayer. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. I'll prove it to you in Scripture. Amen? Test it with the Word. Amen? So in, if we go to the 16th chapter of 1 Samuel, in the very beginning of those verses leading up to verse 12, Samuel gets awoken by the Lord and says, grab the horn, put oil in it, go to the house of Jesse. He's got eight sons. I need you to go ahead and anoint me one of them. That one man is going to be the next king. So he gets up. He goes. He looks at all his brothers. He says, nope, not you, not you, not you. You might look like one. Nope. God says, nope, 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 nope. And then he says, do you have any other sons? And he said, yeah, I have one. He's out there in the field tending to the sheep, tending to the flock. And he said, bring him here. And then we pick that up in verse 12. 1 Samuel 16, verse 12. So he sent and brought him in, that David. Now he was ruddy with beautiful eyes and handsome appearance, a pretty boy. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And listen, in the midst of the brothers mean that now he's being anointed and he has also been in front of witnesses. Amen. So now it's for real, for real. And the spirit of the Lord, and, and Samuel took the horn and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David for that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Church, let me tell you, do you know that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you too can have that same spirit on your life so that you can carry that same spirit? The same spirit that led David is the same spirit you carried, and it was paid and nailed to the cross. That's the kind of anointing that we get to carry. Because one man decided to get nailed to the tree. You now have access to that same anointing that David had. Let me tell you something. It's something great to have. I'll keep reading. Verse 14, now the spirit of the Lord, at that moment when David received the anointed, the Bible says, departed from Saul. My goodness, can you imagine that? And he said, and the evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. Now listen, I'm going to read a, a body of scripture that's going to say that a few times. The spirit of the Lord, did not, listen, the, 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 the enemy brought that in because Saul moved out of the way. Listen to me. Many people move out of the way, amen, move, move into conflict in such a way and allow sin that then God has to move out of the way and allow for sin to enter. You see, many of us are dipping and dabbing, forgetting that we have. Listen, do you know that when you step into sin, you bring the Holy Spirit with you? You know, when we engage in it, you know, when no one's looking, you know what I mean? That kind of sin. You know what I mean? You walk in, you're actually grabbing the Holy Spirit and coming with you to enter. Come on, Holy Spirit, we're going to sin together. So Saul tried that mess, and, and the Spirit of the Lord at that time said, uh-uh. Nothing else to do with you. Departed and went into David. And then sin, the demonic, came to oppress him. I'll read it to you. It's in the word. Verse 15, Saul's servant then said to him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God is terrorizing you, Saul. Let our Lord now command your servants. We are before you. Let them seek a man who is skillful player on the harp, and it shall come about when the evil spirit from God is on you that he shall play the harp with his hand, and you will be well. 17, so Saul said to his servants, provide for me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the young men said, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite, who is a skillful musician, a mighty man of valor, a warrior, one prudent in speech, and a handsome man. Oh, and the Lord is also with him. Do you know that people don't see you the way that you see yourself, church? In the very beginning of those verses, in verse 12, it said that he was just a little pretty boy. But there was a servant that was watching David while he was out with the sheep, and he said, no, 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 no. Now, this boy can play the harp, but let me tell you something. That dude is a warrior. He is a man of valor. He is proficient in speech. Oh, and he's also a good-looking boy, and God is with him. Listen to me. The way that you might see yourself is not the way that others look at you, and it is definitely not the way that God looks at you. You are his son. You are his daughter. You are his prized possession. It's time for us to act like it. Not sometimes, but every single day. It's time for us to act like kings, amen, like royalty. 
every single day. You don't see a king asking, man, am I going to be a king today? No, you just see them walking like a king every day. No matter what the circumstance looks like, it doesn't change its office. You're a king. You're royalty. Amen. You're anointed for such a time. I'm going to keep reading, amen. Hey, listen, I'm going to read a lot of scripture, amen. It might get boring. Oh, there you go. Rebuke that. Come on. Use your authority. Come on. Verse 19, so Saul sent the messengers to Jesse, David's dad, and said, send me now your son David who is in the flock. Jesse, a donkey, uh, Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread and a jug of wine and, young, and a young goat and sent them to Saul by, the, by David, his son. Then David came to Saul and attended him. And Saul loved David greatly, and he became his armor bearer. Saul sent to Jesse, saying, let David now stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. So it came about... Whenever the evil spirit from God came to Saul, that David would take the harp and play it with his hand, and Saul would be refreshed and be well, and the evil spirit would depart from him. Do you know that God is waiting for the very gift that's inside of you so that you can exercise it and bless those in authority? Do you know that the gifting that God has given you is ready to be birthed so that then you can influence those around you and even those in a seat of authority? You see, before we can slay the giant, church, we got to first learn to play the harp and worship. Come on. Come on. David was slaying demons before he was slaying giants. You see, David understood what worship was because he learned humility, humility through intimacy with the Father while doing what most didn't want to do. His whole house didn't want to tend to the sheep, so they send a young buck to take care of him. But David took that advantage to spend time in the presence of God. You know what, you know what I felt like the Lord said to me? Everybody wants to be a leader. Everybody wants to be on top. Everybody wants the promotion. Everybody wants to be elevated. But you know what? Very few leaders want to smell like the sheep. Many few leaders want to tend to that flock. We want to get there, but we don't want to be in the crowd. We want those lights, though. Want to get elevated. Don't even know your people. See, while David was doing the task that not so many would have wanted to do, David spent time in the field. Do you know what I call that field? Training ground. You see, I'm not talking about just worship and song and hymn. Listen, David wrote 72, maybe 73 of the Psalms. He worshiped by writing. <laughs> Listen, David, when his, his own army came against him and plotted even to come against him and kill him, David grabbed the ephod, covered himself, and he encouraged himself in the Lord. Listen, David worshiped by way of prayer. David worshiped so much. Amen. He, he, he sung and he, he played the harp so hard, one day his clothes fell off. Man, worship. In Jericho, the battle of Jericho, we know it. Seven times around, then the priests blew the trumpets and the walls came down. When they crossed the Red Sea, Moses' sister Miriam, as soon as they crossed the Red Sea, she took out the tambourine and said, boy, I'm going to sing a song. You know why? Because they knew that worship is a weapon. David had heaven's perspective. Worship is a weapon. Listen to me, before you can even slay the giants... You got to first learn to play the harp and worship. Get after it. Spend time with God. Stay in his word. If you don't know what I'm reading, it's because you haven't read it. Get in his presence. Listen, I'm trying to encourage you. I have to encourage myself. Pray. When we say fast corporately, don't run fast. Fast. It's time to worship. It's a weapon. Now let's get ready to worship through conflict. Is that all right? Let's step into some worship and conflict. 
chapter 17. Here's the battle. Now, verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Sakal, which belongs to Judah, and they camped between Sakal and Azekah and Ephes the Meme. Verse 2. Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle or ready to encounter the Philistines. They would come up every single day ready, dressed for battle. That's what that verse says. Then the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side. Church, what side of the mountain are you standing on? Okay, I'm just, I'm going to ask a lot of questions, amen. What side, are you on the Philistines? Are you on the, uh, what side are we standing on? With the valley between them. Then a champion came out of the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Goth, whose height was six cubits and a span, nine foot, nine inches. He was a little guy. He had a bronze helmet on his head. And he was clothed with scale of armor, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. He also had bronze greaves on his legs and a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And the head of his spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. His shield carrier also walked before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, Why do you come out to draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine that, and your servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. Listen to me, church. I know how intimidating a nine-foot, nine-inch obstacle can be. In fact, it could be paralyzing. For the people of Israel, for 40 days, they lined up to battle. And 40 days, they turned back. And it doesn't help when he has armor that some theologians would say that weighed almost 700 pounds. Altogether, imagine the size of this giant and, and, and how muscular he must have been to carry that much weight on him. Can I ask you something? Has the enemy mentally harassed us and taunted us for so long that we have forgotten how awesome the ability and the power of God is? Has he messed with us that long? Have we accepted Everything he's been throwing at us? Have we accepted every little lie and everything that he's thrown at us to the point that we've forgotten the power of the almighty God? I'm talking about me, amen. I know everyone in here, South Shore, Plant City, safe, sanctified, full of the Holy Spirit, amen. I got problems. Pray for me. I know you got to sit there and act like, no, I'm good, I'm good. Don't, 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 don't look, don't look, don't look. Keep it straight. Want to get those likes. Amen. Send me your Instagram. I'll click on it. I'll give you a like. I'll give you a like. Verse 9. If he is able to fight me, this is Goliath continuing to taunt. And he says, and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and, and, and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Verse 10, he says, Then again the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of, the, of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all of Israel heard these words, Saul the king and everybody that was ready to fight, when they heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Listen to me, church. Again and again and again, the enemy is relentless. He is always going to continue to pursue you. He is relentless, but more so is God. God is more relentless. Listen, do not allow the enemy to conquer us. You know why? Because if he can conquer your mind, right? If he can conquer your mind, then he'll impregnate your heart. He's after your mind. He's strategic in the way that he's trying to get you. Because if he can conquer that, then he'll make you believe that you're less and then you'll stay oppressed. You understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? He'll taunt you again and again and again. And I have people tell me all the time, but I overcame that. Yeah, but the enemy won't stop. You, you have to know truth. I'm, I'm going to talk about that a little later. Verse 12, I'm going to read fast, hang out with me. Now David was the son of the Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. 
And Jesse was old in the days of Saul, advancing years among them. And three, the three older sons of Jesse had gone after Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons who went to battle were Eliab, the, first, the firstborn. The second was Abinadab, and the third was Shammah. David was the youngest to the three oldest. Now the three oldest followed Saul. Verse 15, but David went back and forth from Saul, tending to his father's flock, at Bethlehem. Let me tell you why this body of scripture is, is not to be overlooked. David stroked the harp for Saul as he needed when he was being demonic oppression, but then he also went back to tend to the flock. He never left the flock. You see, that is a making for a great leader. He went to tend to the king's knees, but he never left the flock. You see, that's humility. That's humility. They, listen, we can be used mightily if we would begin to humble ourselves. Verse 16, the Philistine came forward morning and evening for 40 days, in the morning and at night, and took his stand. Then Jesse said to David, his son, take now to your brothers an ephah of the roasted grain and these ten loaves and run to the camp to your brothers. Bring also these ten cuts of cheese to the commander of their thousand and look into the welfare of your brothers and bring back news of them. For Saul and they and them of Israel are in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. Listen to me. This is how important this stand is. If the, Philist if the Philistines pass through the valley of Elah, then they are off to Bethlehem, and then they will also capture Gibeah. Let me, let me explain. I've got a picture of it. So here's the Philistines. Here's where the people of God are standing, and here's the valley of Elah. This is where the battle is about to take place. You see, the enemy, listen to me, church. The enemy is after more than you. You see, you think he's just trying to battle you here, but he's not. He's trying to gain ground here because then he's going to take your Bethlehem, amen? Listen, your Bethlehem is your birthright. He's trying to take your Bethlehem, and if he can take your Bethlehem, then he'll move to Gibeah, the capital. And he knows that if he can take the capital, then he'll take the whole country. He'll take the whole town. What he's trying to do is take your Bethlehem, lose your birthright, and then he's going to go after your family. Then he's going to go after your faith. You see what I'm saying? And if he takes your capital, guess what? He wins. It's strategic. Listen to me. The enemy isn't after you. He isn't after me. He's after my kids. He's after my kids' kids. He's after my legacy. He's after my, he's after my faith. He's after yours too. It's strategic. He's not trying to win one battle. He's trying to get to the capital. Because he knows that if he grabs that land, you're going to lose security and your future. Do you know what could happen if the right person in the right place would raise up at the right time? Do you know what could happen if you would raise up at the right place at the right time? What about right now? Or are we going to retreat? Are we going to catch a head start? Do you know what can happen when you combine personal strength with genuine humility? Listen, God used one man to stir up an army. But he also used one man across that valley. with his scare tactics and lies to make the army be dismayed and afraid. Verse 20, so David arose early in the morning and left the flock with the keeper and took the supplies and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in battle array, shouting their war cry. They were getting ready again to go up for battle. And Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle array, uh, army against army. Then David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper and ran to the battle line and entered in order to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath named Goliath, was coming up from the army of the Philistines. And he spoke these same words, and David heard them. 
Church, are we spending enough time in the presence of God to know the difference from God's voice than the enemy's voice? Are we, have we listened so long to the taunting and the lies of the enemy that now we just submit to it? Would that be that we are now serving the enemy or serving God? Don't answer that. So what side are we on? Are we on the Philistine side or are we on the Israel's side? Verse 24. When all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. The man of Israel said, have you seen this man who was coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel, and it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. He said he's going to give him his daughter, and they will be tax-free is what that means. And verse 26, he says, then David spoke to the men who were standing by him and said, hold on. What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? They don't pay taxes, and they get a woman. He said, never mind, never mind. He said, said, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? You know that sometimes there needs to be an outside perspective in our lives? You know that sometimes you can be that outside perspective that can bring clarity to a circumstance or to someone in your circle? But are we willing to spend time with God to be that? Outside perspective that someone else needs. There's somebody you know that needs that outside perspective. How many times? I, don't, raise my, don't raise your hand. I'm going to raise my hand. South Shore Plant City. I'm going to raise my hand. When you know you should have prayed with that person and we didn't. That outside perspective. That, I'm, I'm, it's, I know I got problems. Pray for me. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to tell them myself. Then the enemy can't use it. You know what I mean? I should have ministered. I wanted to go home. I was too tired. God said, speak. I said, I will. Next Sunday when I see him, I promise. Right in the lobby, we leave. Join in, serve, get plugged in. I will next week. Super Bowl, Super Bowl today. God, do you understand? God, do you understand? You said I can break my fast today. Oh, my Lord. I just messed everybody up. When people are going to be repenting, I <laughs> repent as soon as your team loses. My God, Lord, 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 verse 27, I'm going to keep going, amen, I'm going to keep going. The people answered him in accord with the words, saying, thus it will be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the man, and Eliab's anger burned against David, and he said, why have you come down? This is David's brother telling him, why have you come down, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? None of your business, big brother. I took care of it. I'm a good shepherd. I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart, for you have come down in order to see the battle. But David said, what have I done now, big brother? Was it not just a question? Then he turned away from him to another and said the same thing. And the people answered the same thing as before. It's like David was saying, why isn't anybody fighting? He was just asking. He said, hold on. Is anybody not hearing what I'm hearing? This giant justified the armies, forgive me, this uncircumcised Philistine just defied the armies of the true living God. Why isn't anybody fighting? His brother says, man, why you come up here? He said, man, I ain't got time for you. Sometimes you got to tell family, I ain't got time for you. You're not listening. I'm going to tell somebody else that will listen. Somebody else will hear me. Somebody else will hear me. Church, can I ask you a question? Why aren't we fighting? How long are we going to let this giant keep talking to us, yelling at us, taunting us, lying to us, waking up sleepless nights? You're no good. You messed up too long. You can't turn around. It's too late. You're too old. It's just the way you've always done it. Your family have always done it. You might as well just do it. Why are you even praying? You're going to die of cancer? Your son won't live? 
She'll never love you. He'll never love you. Give up. You have nothing to live for. You'll always be alone. Your kids will never come to Christ. It's impossible. You're not smart enough. You'll always be broke. You're just a drunk. Listen, it's time for us to tell that giant to shut your mouth in the name of Jesus. You better shut your mouth and get out my, you better get out my house. You better tell that little punk, you better, you better get up out of my house. You better shut your mouth. If you don't know scripture, say, hey, shut your mouth in Jesus' name. Listen, before you slay that giant, you got you to gotta play that harp and worship, church. You got to do it. Play that thing. You might just slay a demon before a giant. I got to read fast. Verse 31. When the words which David spoke were heard, they told him. So Saul, and he sent from him, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. Then Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You are but a youth while he has been a warrior from his youth. Listen, don't let the devil or anybody else tell you something or try to talk to you out of your authority. Listen, David was ready to go to battle and Saul just put a bucket of water on him. He said, no, don't do it. Oh, don't do it. Listen, there's so many people around us that will try to sway us because they're not hearing from God. But because they have influence in our lives. Oh, my goodness, I'm talking to somebody, maybe one or two. But because they have influence in our lives, we let them speak into us and then we, we start to back up, start to hide. Well, because mom and them said, and dad said, and, you know, because, but, you know, that's just, you know, that's, that's just what we do in our family. And then the enemy takes your destiny. Verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant, David said to Saul, humbly, king, your servant, was tending to his father's sheep, man. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him, and I attacked him, and I rescued it from its mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and, and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. I just want to remind you, Saul, that I, I killed a, a lion and a bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the true living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will also deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And here's what Saul said, true king, boy, I tell you. And Saul said to David, oh, go ahead and, and may the Lord be with you. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, brother. But you know how awesome God is? You see, God is perfect. And he's a good father. He's not going to send you into a battle without preparation. You see, I want to explain. We know that David fought a lion and he also fought a bear. But let me tell you the specific one. A lion is smaller than a bear and its strength is less in comparison to the bear. He overcame the lion, then he went up against the bear. The bear, his height is taller than the lion, but less than the giant, and so is his strength. So he conquered the bear. So then he was in preparation, getting ready for the giant. Now, here's the cool thing. David is such an amazing warrior. The Bible says he is a warrior and a mighty man of valor, that he not only conquered these three, but he also learned its tactics. So I'll prove it to you. The lion creeps up on its prey and attacks. David crept up on Saul in the cave and cut off the robe of Saul's garment at one time. Amen? He crept up on him. And David, the Bible says, I'll prove it to you in just a second, charged Goliath just like a bear would charge its prey. Listen to me. He learned the tactics of the enemy that was coming against him. Can I ask you a simple question? Are we learning the tactics of the enemy when he comes to attack us? Are we learning the tactics of the enemy so that we can be better equipped so that when he comes to attack us, we can give a counterattack? attack? 
I got to read fast. Then Saul said, then Saul clothed David with his garments. I'll tell you what, he just, he said, I'm going to make you look good. I'm going to put my stuff on you. So he, he clothed David with his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head, and he was looking nice and clothed him with his armor. And David girded his sword over him and, and his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. So David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, Saul, for I have not tested them. And David took them off. Listen to me, church. Don't let anybody try to put on their oversized armor on you. Listen, their call is their call. Their armor is their armor. Your call is your call. Walk in your anointing. It wasn't for David to put on the armor or Saul's armor. David was already armored up. Listen, don't take a different identity. Don't take a different identity because something's been placed on you or told you that you needed to place it on you. Don't take a different identity. Christ gave you one. Hold fast to it. You're a son. You're a daughter of the Most High. That's the simple answer. Can I ask you a question? David couldn't wear that armor because he said, I hadn't tested it. Have we tested our armor? Plant City, South Shore? Have we tested our armor? I was given this coin by a dear friend. And oftentimes when I need it, I grab it and I just, just hold on to it. And it reminds me to wear the armor. It has the armor on both sides. And it talks about it. In Ephesians 6, verse 10. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God. Here's specifics on how we are to dress for battle. He says, put on the full armor of God that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against powers, against the world forces of this darkness. Against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that we will be able to resist in the evil day and having done and everything to stand firm. Stand firm. The Bible talks about the different pieces of armor that we should be wearing. Have we put on the preparation of the gospel of peace so that we can stand firm? Have we been carrying our shield of faith so that we can quench the fiery darts of the enemy? Do we even have the belt of truth so that when the enemy comes, we can pull it off and beat the devil with truth? If we have no belt of truth, how are we going to shield our sword, which is the word? But you know what happens? We definitely have this one, or most of us do. We have the helmet of our salvation. So before we leave the house, we put that thing on, walk around with the helmet of our salvation, but from the neck down, we're slapped butt naked. I said it. Send me an email. Not dressed for battle, leaving the house. You know... You know what the breastplate does? It protects your heart. The gospel of peace lets you know that you know the truth and you can stand on it. That shield of faith, the warriors used to get up early in the morning and oil it down because there was different layers. And they would oil it so that it wouldn't crack. They would tend to it, tend to the armor. Because they knew that they would be in constant battle for years to come. The next few verses, verses 40 through 50, actually, Goliath starts again, again, with his intimidation and scare tactics. And David says, no, brother, not today. Today you'll be handed over to us. And he drew towards him. Goliath drew towards David. <laughs> but David said, I fought somebody almost as tall as you. I'm going to charge you because I beat that bear down. So the Bible says that he charged Goliath, took a stone out from his bag and his sling and threw it, hit, it sunk in the head of the giant and the giant fell down. Verse 51, and I'll land the plane. 
Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Listen to me, church. Many of us will knock the giant on his back and never cut his head off. We will knock that obstacle right on its butt, but we'll never go and finish the job. We'll leave it. We, we almost finished it. I, well, it, it's almost gone. I barely ever do that. I'm talking about me, amen. I know, amen. Just don't judge me. I, I don't really deal with that anymore. I overcame mostly. Let me tell you something. Can I, just, can I just be real? I promise I'll land it. This Tuesday, this week, man, it's just been something else. And on Tuesday specifically, and listen, there's nothing wrong with crying, but you know, you ever have one of these moments where you just, like, you just want to cry? And listen, I, there's nothing wrong with it. I got two tear ducts, I'll cry. I'm a man, I don't, I don't care. I'll cry. And I wanted to cry. I wanted to get my cry on, you know? I just, I just did. I just want to let it out. I wanted to have a pity party. It's, and the Lord said to me, son, there's a time to cry and there's a time to fight. There's a time to worship in conflict. So I called one of my spiritual big brothers and we just started having some conversation. And I said, man, listen, I am struggling. I'm going through some things. And here's what's going on, man. The enemy's just been at it, relentless. And, man, we just pressed in you know what I'm saying you know like it's just so awesome when the veil is torn you can just enter into the holies of holies you know and you just have that relationship because you spend time in the word you spend time in his presence so we just stepped right in there we just stepped right in there and we began to pray and seek God and the Lord showed us an image of a house my house and the house was squeaky clean but in the corner right by the window this is the way I saw it spiritually was this little joker like this just watching and I knew he was there I had allowed him to sit there because he barely messed with me he barely taunted me he barely got through to me barely isn't free so I would watch this little joker and every once in a while I feed him crumbs and every once in a while and you see I can be a, 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 a man of faith, a valor, a warrior when it comes to these crazy and big things but these little things of self-doubt you ain't good enough, yeah you're right you're not a good leader, yeah you, you might be right on that one and I saw myself spiritually in this moment and we're praying and in this moment I saw myself grab this little joker, you see some giants are 9 foot 9 inches mine was 2 foot tall and I saw myself spiritually see and grab him by the stanking neck collar and pull him. I'll show you what I did. I, I went over there to that corner and I said, you're going to bring your little punk two foot tall, 24 inch, and I'm going to expose you to the light. And I'm going to speak truth to you and I'm going to tell you, you shall not overcome Satan. Rebuke thee, the Lord rebuke thee. I am more than a conqueror. I have to get down on one knee because he's that little. He's two foot tall. And I had to tell him, the Lord rebuke thee. I am a conqueror. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You shall not overcome. Amen. He is my tower. He is my power. Amen. He is my fortress. He is my rock. I had to tell him, you got to go. Amen. Because she takes cheap shots, so I took cheap shots too. You know what I mean? It's that two-foot giant that was setting me and my family back. He wasn't after me. He's after my kids. He's after my legacy. He's after my kids' kids. So are you after those likes or are you ready for some conflict? Come on, I'm going to let you go, amen. I... Listen, salvation is a gift, not a reward. Can we all stand up together here, South Shore, Plant City? Can we just all stand really quick? I want us to pray this prayer together, amen. Listen, one of the greatest giants that you can overcome 
is by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Many of us come in every single weekend and leave the same way and never truly knowing the power of God. That same anointing that fell on David can fall on you right now. Let's conquer that giant. So let's say this prayer together. Say, dear Lord, I'm a sinner. But you sent your only son to die on the cross, to shed all his blood so that I can not only be saved, but also be sinless. Lord, I repent. Come into my life. Lead me and guide me all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, just one second. On the count of three, if you prayed that, for, that prayer for the very first time here, South Shore Plant City, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, let's slay some giants by you raising your hand and letting everybody know so that then we can cheer and do a war cry. On the count of three, here, South Shore and Plant City, one, two, three. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on now. Come on now. Come on. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Keep cheering. Come on. That war cry. Come on. Come on. Come on. Raise your hand. Come on. Oh, come on. Hey, listen. Y'all gonna clap louder than that for your team. Can we just... Some people got saved. Come on. Here's the last ask. These are our prayer partners to my left and to my right. I don't know how tall your giant is. Maybe he's greater than, than nine foot. Maybe he's like the one I had to deal with that's two foot. He's been taunting us for too long, church. We've ran off dismayed and afraid. We believed and bought the lie. So in a sense, we've served him. Why don't we change that right now? Why don't we come up for prayer right now and start slaying some giants? Maybe you're dealing with cancer and you need to slay that giant. Maybe your son is sick and you're praying for him and you need to intercede. Why don't you start making your way up? Come on, start making your way up. Listen, if they look at you while you're coming up, amen, let them look at you so they can see how you slay giants. Amen. Come on, make your way up. Come on, make your way up. Come on. Come on, cheer them on, church. Cheer them on. Come up and slay some giants. Come on. You're not good enough. That was mine. You're not good enough, Hector. Come on. Come up. Come up. Oh, I can never conceive. Come up. Come up. Come up. Oh, he already left. No, come up. Come up. Come on. Come on. Keep cheering them on. They're coming from the bleachers. Come on. You're not that far. Come on. Come on. There you go. Come on. There you go. Say, excuse me. Come on. From the balcony. Come on. I dare you to walk down them steps. Come on. Keep clapping. It's okay. Your hands will hurt just for a little bit longer. It's okay. Come slay some giants. Come slay some giants. Come on. Come on. You coming. Keep coming. Come on. Don't hesitate. Come up. Just say, you know what? I'm going to come up. If I got to wait in line to get prayed for, I'm going to wait in line. I'm going to wait in line. I got to slay this giant. Listen, our altars are going to be here. The worship team will continue. Let me say this to you. Before I leave, you don't remember a thing I said. Remember this. Before you can go slay the giant, remember to play your harp and worship God. Amen. God bless.